Welcome back to Talks Boo. Ooh, Talks Booze. Whew. Starting out this one fresh. Welcome back to Talks News. Two broadcasts, one day. Oh, let's get into it. Oh, yeah. We are brought to you yet again. The King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And their free album, Polygon Wanna Land. Continuing on today, we're going to continue talking about the BLM movement. So earlier today, I covered the uh, ACLED and their new study, uh, covering about how about 93% of the BLM protests, or related protests, 93% of those were peaceful. So what I have to get in here today is a bit more on this Black Lives Matter movement because I actually believe it is one of the most purveying narratives in our country that is tearing us apart from the inside. Our racial tensions have not really gone anywhere and it seems like we're willing to go uh, to civil war yet again just for it. All over racial tensions yet again, nearly 200 years later. To open it here, we have John Cover. Uh, he goes to protests and interviews some people, and I found this to be a little bit interesting. We're not going to watch the whole thing, but I am interested oh, in this again, you're right here. Black. So stop telling me my life matters. I know my life matters. I don't need you to tell me my life matters. Are you black? All lives matter. All lives matter. Period. Period. No, all lives matter. You wouldn't be here. Understand that we're all coming. We're, we're trying to. As you can tell, my lights aren't on. So give me one second. Oh yeah. All right. So as you can tell, that is hysterical ranting. No logic or reason is being used. In this particular case, we just have a shouting match between counter-protesters and protesters. And um, from what I can tell, we have the only two black people there on the counter-protester side of the pro-Trump, pro-Pence side, probably the back-of-the-blue side, right? And um, we have the young man saying, you're not black, you can't talk for me, you, you don't know, I'm here to represent my beliefs and my representation is to be represented by me. He's taking the power, which I can greatly appreciate. I greatly appreciate that. Um, the only issue here is, is that there's just absolutely no convincing going on. Um, there is a young man who shows up and says, I'm black. 
your opinion does not matter. Um, and, you know, maybe it's hard because white people are the majority of this country. So white people need to be a part of the conversation when it comes to Black Lives Matter, the de defund the police, the abolition of the police, racial justice, the many issues that we're facing and nobody's actually coming to the table about. Our president only meets with uh, police union leaders. I don't hear... Uh, too much about lo local representatives either going out of their way to speak with uh, the heads of these movements or organizations. So we're not really seeing great democracy going on. It's mostly just two sides shouting at each other that says, Believe my reality! Not healthy. Um, but that's the kind of shit we bring to you right here on Talks News. I'm going to go a little bit further into who they're calling MAGA Hulk. I'm going to go a little bit further into his speech here, and then I'm going to move on. It's a pretty short video, but we got, we got shit to do. Come together as a country, as a unit. You know? United. We're all Americans. Let him talk. Let him talk. So we're trying to come together as a country. I think right now, uh, especially on the right side of history, there's a lot... I'm going to admit that the first bit of the shouting match has actually turned into dialogue. So that's great. If we're getting this here like philosophical dialectics of the left and right brain of America, both not really in the reason side or the logical side, as we'll see as uh, uh, MAGA Hulk um, expands on his ideas. Um, I'll get to that, but uh, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll probably play this whole video. I'll probably will because as I can tell, it's gotten a little bit more civil and we can actually start dis discussing the issues somewhat and not just have a shouting match about, I'm right, no, I'm right, no, you're wrong, no, you're wrong. Coming together that's being had. Now, when it comes to the left, unfortunately, it's a lot of division. It's a lot of hate. It's a lot of that's the... Burn uh, buildings. Exactly. Looting stores. That's not productive when it comes to coming together as America. We're putting out a... But, you know, uh, if you go back into the study that I went over today, is that uh, less than 7% of the protests in America have led to uh, what they call riots. What they have dubbed as riots. What are riots? Um, if it's, you know, concerning property damage and uh, the like. Um, but that's a very low percentage of cases for you to just downright shut down any discussions that protesters have. And this is the success that the right-wing narrative is having by conflating protests with riots. Every protest is a riot, but no riot is a protest. That's what they're on. Uh, a message of peace, while the left seems to be putting out a message of hate and division. So um, our economy was great right before the coronavirus hit, so that was wonderful when it comes to America. He doesn't explain why the right is the unifier and the left is the divider. He did not explain why. When it comes to uh, blacks, when it comes to uh, Hispanics, when it comes to... The economy was great, though. He's going to that. So I guess the economy being great unifies people. And the, the economy being great um, completely eradicates racism. Apparently, women, you know, un uh, a low unemployment numbers across the board. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, the America first policies that are beneficial to our country. There we go. Um, so uh, uh, he needs to. What what are the American first policies that benefited America? Please, please expand on that idea. He took a pause and then we saw a bit of a cut here. So I'm not sure 
if he did expand on that idea or not, but we're about to get into something. He has something else to say. So. When, uh, like I said, on the America First pol uh, policies okay. that are beneficial to Americans, we need to look out for Americans and bolster our ranks up first. What are those policies, though? Before we start taking up care of other countries. Because that's just, that's just rhetoric. Like, I, I support America First. Um, I support making America great again. I support keeping America great again. Um, I support the V-shape economy. Um, just, it's really rhetoric and slogans. I don't think Trump has too many. I don't support the radical do-nothing Democrats. You know, I, I support law and order. And, you know, this, it's not, you're, you're, when you talk like that, I guess it's more of a um, support in what 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 did I want to say in in ideas, not actual policy, just kind of ideas that float around in ideology, and that ideology plays a bit more on I guess if we were gonna split it up in like that uh, X and Y grid of political spectrum and where you sit is that if you speak these certain slogans that'll decide on the spot of ideology that you'll fit because it's not specific policies or actual things that we can do to do these things as long as the like um i'm sending tariffs to china as a part of the american first policy and you're like yeah fuck yeah fuck china america first and it's just like, but how, why, how does that affect, you know, nothing expanding on that really ever wants to reach across to the right base. Um, but once the left starts talking about it, it's, oh, you're just criticizing our president and you're antagonizing and hating America. And it's, you know, it's, whew, we are not in a toxic sphere. But here's the thing, though, is that in order to participate in politics, I think people need to be a, a lot more well-informed beyond uh like not they beyond slogans um besides rhetorical phrases the needs to come from like actions what are the actions you want to see taken not the names of the actions but the actions in themselves and what would be the benefit of those actions that's policy policy is actions with an intended outcome that sometimes has unintended consequences other times it does have intended consequences and non-benefits or at least benefits to certain sides disproportionately mixed out. It's very complex, but that's the thing is that we have to have these complex issues without them turning into emotional shouting matches. And this is uh, a, an issue both on the left and the right. To say that the, the left is totally feelings, not facts, and the right's totally facts, not feelings, um, that's absolutism. That's just not true. Um, yeah. Country. Yes. Like when it comes to our families, we want to take care of our families first. You know, we want to be able to help out our families. Yeah, then hold on. Is your policy American? America first? Because that's a whole nation. That's a whole community. Or is your policy family first? Because that's a very minute section. And if you want politics to focus in on just making benefits for your family, I feel like that ideology is going to lead to uh, corrupt power. Um, too much centralized power, in fact. So... All right. And then we can help out the community, but we can't reverse that. Help out the communities. And that's so strange, though. That's so strange because that's not the that's not the thing about government. It's not supposed to help individual families and then 
go out and help the community and then go help the nation. No, the nation is supposed to help the community and the community is supposed to come together and support families. The flow of power is completely fucked. And I hate to be, I'm not trying to be rude, but he doesn't understand the actual flow of power. We do live where the government dictates and it comes downwards, like how I just said, from the government to the community, to the community, to the people. Um, but it also should be to the people, to the community, to the government. And it should be a reciprocal um, kind of process. I feel like a diagram of two circles might be the best idea to have two wheels here with the local government then intersecting with the wider government in order to enact federal public uh, policies that bring out equal equality across the nation because you know certain states can go in certain directions like how the south went in other directions when the north did it, it all um I always get so lost in the complexities because politics is so complex. But to think that, all right, we need to focus in on our families, then we can start with the communities. It almost, it just kind of even leads to this idea of almost like if your family isn't up to snuff, then you shouldn't even participate in the community. And maybe it even just speaks to how alienated and isolated families are from the greater family of the community. So um, just everything affects each other. And so if we can try to get them on balance with each other, then I see the most benefit. So I am not America first. I'm kind of everything first. Everything. I don't I don't know why it's always like this or that. You know, you know, we can't take care of international issues when we got issues at home. We can't take care of ourselves if if others aren't taking care of themselves it's just like i don't know why people can't try to aim for both and uh, yeah yep maybe uh we just can't handle enough on our plates i don't know i don't know and then neglect our families and then what you know what i mean what do you think about defunding the police i'm, I'm not for that at all if we want to have a conversation uh -huh. What do you think of that? Um, I, I think that it's overblown, 100% overblown. Can I ask you why? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the way I look at it is that, okay, if, like within the black community, all right, we're very, if you look at the black community, we're, we're, we tend to be more violent than any other racial demographic. You know, we got uh, about 6% of the population, which is the men, the black men, committing, you got it, over 50% of the crimes. Okay. So, um, just because the police brutality numbers are lower than the actual black crime rate, uh, that makes one issue greater than the other. Um, again, I would get so lost in complexities here that like, I would have to have a face-to-face -face conversation. Otherwise I'm just going to get looped into my own thought it just ignores the low income for those high crime rates because that's the closest correlation causation that we've found. Um, the causation, whatever. Poverty you tends to lead to higher violent crime rates or different kinds of crime rates in general than most um, higher neighborhoods, higher income neighborhoods. But the violent crime definitely is more prevalent in lower income cities and countries 
poverty or crime follows poverty um, because the different set of opportunities as well to earn more money than you normally would, say, by playing ball. Or even support systems that you would would or wouldn't have. Um, I'm not really sure what it's like to need to join a gang or have to join a gang or anything like that. I mean, people choose to join the police gang, and that's a completely different kind of... It's a state-sanctioned gang, so it has a very different level of support system in it. But we're, we're not going to be able to address crime rates, whether it's black-on-black, white-on-white, or what have you. We can't address that unless we address poverty and then other, um, I would say, social safety nets. Because really, everybody just wants the same thing that everybody wants you know, health, happiness, shelter. Um, if those basic needs are met, I wonder how much crime would be necessary, honestly. Um, because then if if we actually have those necessities met, then these people are arguing that we're inherently um, deviant. And I know that's a very persistent thought in the Catholic and Christian churches, but I don't believe we are inherently evil or nefarious. I think we are born blank slates for the most part. Our genes do affect a lot, but at the same time, we do have um, blank slate opportunities to create the world around us. I think everybody does. <sighs> See, I'm getting lost in the complex, the complexities yet again, but to throw the, the black community under the bus saying they can't stop killing each other, so why should we focus on police brutality is just a heartless way of saying, I don't care when the state kills black people. Um, it also just kind of feels like it feeds into the idea that black people are always criminal. Um, and that isn't a... I, I can't imagine waking up in a country that thinks I'm always criminal, even when I'm trying to do the right thing. So... Um, Let's expand on his thought here, but I really hate the argument of black people can't stop committing crimes against themselves, so police brutality is not that big of an issue. And then when we think about, well, police kill more white people than black people every year, because we live in a white majority nation, well then, police brutality is really a problem, isn't it? Because it, it kills, no matter, you know, apparently no matter what race you are, it kills. And there's countries that have such less numbers. And they even have more white people than we do, right? They always talk about how the, the, the lack of cultural diversity in those nations is uh, more prosperous for the nation because they don't disagree based on racial tensions. Um, but it's just, you know, not it's not the hegemony that leads to less de white people deaths. We have more than them every year. So it's not necessarily in just a race, racial problem, right? It's a police brutality problem. The racial problem is when it's uh, three times more likely for black people to be killed. And it's um, they're incar incarcerated at higher rates. The loss f applies pressure from the boot much harder if you were black. And it allows uh, somebody to sit on your neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. And it's uh, been four months and we still don't have any developments of justice.
he might uh, Derek Chauvin might actually be a millionaire when he gets out of jail if or if he even gets out of the situation he could be a millionaire if he's able to keep his pensions so complexities on complexities there is no easy way to answer any of these questions but to do it with the same shit that everybody says through the right-wing media is just lazy and I, it makes me upset because I can't really blame the MAGA Hulk because people really need to become more informed on their own about these positions and not necessarily take in one news source or the other. I know so much of the right-wing propaganda machine because I look, I look and watch it. But at the same time, I am familiar with um, the issues that they have because I expand on their ideas to show that they're not um, expanding on their own ideas themselves. All right. Thank you for listening to my long-winded rant. I hope it came across well. I highly recommend um, sitting with this with like a little bit of King Gizzard Lizard playing in the background and also sipping on coffee and smoking a bowl. I think this show is much better with all of that in it. All right. DOJ, Department of Justice. U.S. Department of Justice. The statistics? No, do you know? Where do you get, like, where is that you know from? the substance? Do you know well, I mean, you, go, you, I mean, you look at the diff, uh, FBI statistics as, as well. You know what I'm saying? all that is literally from Trump. And Trump, there's no liable. Pre-Trump. It's been, see, when we have a fact, y'all tell us, that fact's not real. Where'd you get it? But y'all can come up with these ambiguous facts like F Trump. That's not a fact. And that, what? Do you not think Trump is racist? Absolutely not. At all. not. Um, so, yeah, they cherry-picked a fact. And we're just getting back into feelings. Back into feelings. I know Trump. Do you want to see a picture? My family's known Trump since my parents were 19. I know him. So I don't need you telling me who I know is racist. Yeah. Yeah. I'm asking you. There's literally videos of him saying, I want these illegal aliens out of my country. When, first of all, this country, where is this country from? Who was... Where's that video? Never seen that. What about the children? Even if you have like something, he'd be like, I've never heard that video. He, I never heard Trump call a caravan of refugees invaders. I've never heard him say illegal alien. <laughs> illegal alien is a racist term. I can't believe like, and this is something that the left is guilty of too, because it is a racist fucking term to call human beings aliens like this seriously is like one of those things when people are like i wonder in the 22nd century when they look back what are those things that we're going to be ashamed of that's one of them illegal aliens aliens you're calling human beings aliens and you know what that leads to child separation at fucking concentration camps what but again I can't convince any right-winger of my specific beliefs in the narrative. And I don't think the person here who's coming with no facts, I, I appreciate them fighting the good fight. The, 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 the unfortunate thing is, though, is that we have to know the issues that we're talking about. And the shittiest part about that is, is that they're very complex and that I don't even have all of it. But if I don't do this right here, I can't get enough of it at all. So... We have a lot of fucking work to do is what I keep saying. And I mean it's on both the left and the right because there's got to be some people on the right conservative th th page that wants to actually get past racism and just focus in on a conservative budget for the government. 
right? And just forget the whole cultural social issues. Politics shouldn't have affected all of that. But since politics and race has been intertwined in our country for a while, guess what? That means culture wars. That means bullying. Yep. yep. All right. What about that? You yeah, you're trying to stop that. It's contradicting. Hypocritical. I love that video. You can't, though. Okay, well, then pull it up. Department of Justice. I can show. Okay, I'm happy to show you. Pull up your. His, his facts about the Department of Justice thing, and like, yeah, it's true. Like, black Americans kill more black Americans than police kill black Americans. Uh, that's, that's a fact, but that does not mean that when police kill black Americans, that that is justified. That's actually the antithesis of the argument. It is not justified. They are, it is not the, jo the job of the police to be judge, jury, and executioner. They are only supposed to be the detainees the it's wild um and i think it's fascinating too i like how somebody brought up in the in the crowd and we're not even talking about that now how like immigration is like kind of a form of human trafficking right so say you have like families inside of the united states they didn't expand on this but it kind of got me thinking you have families inside of the united states right and they're either waiting for their asylum asylum status waiting for trial or uh, many different issues right and ice has been going around and picking people up and taking them to detention centers which a lot of them are private prisons human trafficking that's human trafficking is by going kidnapping people from their houses it's state sanctioned so it goes from kidnapping to arresting or detaining and then moving them uh, to a, a prison or I guess a warehouse or a concentration camp or whatever you want to call it, a place of detainment. Um, they, then they then keep them there where they shelter them. They, I guess, feed them. They treat them like shit. Um, there's sexual abuse uh, going on. There's probably more abuse than that going on. I mean, I can look it up right here. Let's see. Because I don't, I don't want to throw accusations. I know it's a thing, but I just don't want to throw that out there um, willy-nilly. Um, July 9th, migrant kids in overcrowded Arizona border station allege um, sexual assault and retaliation from U.S. agents. Um, February 27th, thousands of migrant children say they were sexually abused. Um, there's actually a website here, American Immigration Council, um, high profile cases, highlight border patrol abuses and need for systemic change. That was as late as April, 2018. Um, 2019, May 31st, over 200 allegations of abuse against my migrant children but there's only one case of Homeland Security disciplining someone. Um, documents reveal serious abuse allegations by minors. That's October 27th or October 17th, 2019. Um, let's see, we got a new report. Let's see here. It's loading, logi.org. Loading, 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 loading. That one's from 2011. So we had abuse going on in 2011 as well. It's not, yeah, I mean, at this point too, we don't really get enough reporting from 
the uh, the abuse going on down at the border because we're focused on these other issues, I guess. Uh, the Daily Beast has a more recent article from June 15th. I guess it's an op-ed, so there's that. Um, let's see. The more than 4,500 complaints about alleged physical and sexual abuse of migrant and refugee children in these kinds of detention facilities that the federal government received over a period of four years, as revealed by the Justice Department last February. Uh, the abuse is alleged to have surged when the Trump administration implemented its cruel and ill-conceived policy of separating families at the U.S.-Mexico border to deter others from coming. So I'm going to click this PDF here from the DOJ. Why would it be in that form? Like, come on. Um, let's see, allegations reported to ORR and DOJ. Um, we have a total of 1,000 in there, and we have 279 Yeah, there's uh, thousands of reported cases, thousands of reported cases of abuse, and I, I don't doubt it. It's a racist institution that does not see any value in human lives beyond um, citizenship status. That's it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just think it's funny that she's like, what about the human trafficking? And he's like, well, it's Trump stopping that. But he also did increase it pretty bad at the border. You feel me, dog? Your video. They trying to put an end to that. Illegal immigration brings about a lot of kids being trafficked across the border. So we need to be able to stop that. And one way to stop that is bolstering our presence on the border. See, and then that's crazy is that the kids who are coming here seeking asylum and refuge are actually being trafficked for pedophilia and sex work. Okay. All right. Sure. Well, I didn't even want to watch that whole thing, but I did. <laughs> that was 30 minutes. Um, Freedom Rally, Beverly Hills. Uh, thank you, John Cover, for that wonderful bit. But now I want to move on to um, Benny Chaperone talking about the insane claim in a Biden ad. This insane, crazy, cuckoo, cuckoo. All right. Um... My show is ridiculous. My show is, um, I hope the shadow or bizarre version of the Ben Shapiro show over at Daily Wire, but I cannot wait to get into this. Whew, brace yourselves. This one's six minutes and 45 seconds, so hopefully I can do it under 30 minutes, but uh, let's get it because I have one more video after this as well. To revivify the, the, race, the race relations card against Donald Trump. And that means that he started off yesterday, put out this ad that I, that I commented upon because the ad is, is particularly egregious. It, it promotes an extraordinarily untrue and also negative message for black Americans. Here was Joe Biden's ad about race relations in the United States. Why in this nation do black Americans wake up knowing that they could lose their life in the course of just living their life. Part of the point of freedom is to be free from brutality, from injustice, from racism, and all of its manifestations. We have to let people know that we not only understand their struggle, but they understand the fact they deserve to be treated with dignity. They've got to know- The, the key to this ad is the first line that Joe Biden says, right? So Joe Biden says, why in this nation do black Americans wake up knowing they could lose their life in the course of just living their life? That is an insane contention. 
I mean, fully crazy. There is there is no evidence that is the case. There are 42 million black Americans, 42 million of them. The median household income for black Americans, about $41,000 a year. There is no evidence for that claim. Uh, $41,000 a year? Hmm. So what I actually got from this one right here... Um, unlike the median household income, which divides all households into two halves, the mean outcome is the average income earned by American. Oh, did I? <laughs> I might have typed that in wrong. All right. So the mean household is, uh, damn, Asians just killing it. Um, we got $58,985 for the black community, apparently. Uh, Hispanic and Latino sees 68000 Whites see 89000 And Asians see 114000 So Asians apparently are the richest in America. So that's pretty great. It's pretty wild. Um, also, we have the census here. Maybe that's where he got his number. Did he get his number from 2017? Oh my god, Ben. There's new numbers. You fucking kidding me? And then, like, I like, too, it at least shows the uh, recession numbers. But then they also only started tracking Asian numbers since, like, 1985. And they've always been a lot more wealthier than the white uh, median line or the median household. But what that would tell me is that they started out uh, moving here a bit richer. You know what I'm saying? Um that it would be richer families coming here in in the first place just to start at 70,000 median outcome income that means that they already came here with um labor skills that were able to get them higher paying jobs and the like um as you can see the black uh number has started lower than everybody else's um even the hispanic community which is pretty surprising to me but that just tells me yet again that the black or the hispanic community was wealthy enough to migrate without issues, whereas the black community, for, I'm not sure what the percentage is, but for the most part, um, were brought here completely without money. And even when they tried to create, say, a black Wall Street full of prosperity and wealth, um, that got burned to the ground. And we're actually not accounting for those numbers here. Um, it's just, it only goes to 1967, which may be when the census started. Uh, I'm not sure, but... Um, Yep, getting lost in more complexities and nuances because nothing in politics is that simple. The average household income, which is, which is different than the median because it's skewed upward by high incomes like Beyonce and Jay-Z, for example, that's $58,000 a year. The, the basic concept that black Americans wake up in the United States fearing for their lives every day. Hmm. Well, then that would tell me that like... The skew is pretty heavy, though, right? The skew would have to be pretty heavy, and it's still the lowest compared to everybody else. So that must mean that there's more 
lower income black people than higher income in order to lower that median pretty hard. But we could say that more are becoming, uh, more black people are becoming wealthy because, you know, they do enter into these, there's, I'm sure there's a small percentage growth or something of um, people leaving their class and entering the new one. Capitalism does have that possibility. Feudalism did not. The, the only issue is that capitalism still uses very whew, complex systems to keep oppressed down so that the um, elite class doesn't become too inflated. I'm not sure if that's the, the intention or if the balancing just has to remain that you have to have a large pool of um, uneducated and poor labor. I don't... is nuts. So first of all, I don't see the poll data on that. That black Americans wake up every day thinking they're going to get shot and killed. Oh. And if they do think... He doesn't see the poll data on that. Um, YouGov studies, just studies, um, by Kathy Frankovich, posted March 15th, 2019. It says, 78% of black Americans see deaths of African Americans during encounters while police in recent years as part of a larger problem, not isolated incidents. I was like, okay, that's very interesting. And then I kept going down. 63% of black people fear of police violence, while 21 is greater than white. Okay, so black fear of police violence is greater than, okay, so black people 63% of the black community that were polled in this fear of police violence, while 21% of white people fear of police violence. But um, there is much less difference when it comes to worry about violent crime in general. 52% of black people and 50% of white people are worried about violent crime in general. But here is the fact that instantly just refutes what Ben Shapiro was saying. It says 63% of black Americans worried about police using deadly force on them or a family member. So it may not be the entire black community, especially when you only do sample sizes, um, because that's what usually what studies do. They only take sample sizes, right? I don't know specifically how many people were interviewed for this. I would have to keep going. Right, but YouGov gathered a data and said 63% of black Americans worry about police using deadly force on them or a family member and that was 2019 I don't know what the numbers look like now this is the most recent study that I could say or find We could probably go down this. It's pretty interesting. 46% of white Republicans want larger police presence in community. Hmm. Interesting. Um, black, 31% uh, said a larger presence, and 31% also said no change. Um, white people seem to say no change. White Democrats seem to say no change for the most part. That's fascinating is that white Republicans want 
for the the majority uh, the majority win for white Republicans is a larger police presence, and the majority for Democrats is just no change at all. So maybe that's yeah, that's why uh, defund and abolish is just so so radical because a smaller pr- police presence um, seems to be the lower rung here. But again, like the police presence isn't necessarily the focus of defund the police. It's the demilitarization of the police. And that's maybe where that's gotten lost because patrol may, may be um, right where it needs to be. Although we need to work on profiling and situational training. Uh, focusing the defund argument as if it's talking about police presence, that's that's just nonsense. That's That's just a way to shrink the argument. But let's not, we're getting lost again. Here I am, complexities. Whew. Um, 63% of black Americans worried about police using deadly force on them or a family member uh, from a study taken between March 10th and 12th of 2019. It's right there. Somewhat worried, varied to somewhat worried. You have 52% being very worried. And 48% uh, being uh, somewhat worried. No, I'm reading this graph wrong. Oh, okay. Oh, my bad. Um, so we have 52% of the uh, black pe- Americans that were uh, polled said that they were worried that they would be the victim of a violent crime. 52%. And then 63% uh, believe that they will be a victim of police using deadly force. 63%, and that's in 2019. That's not even 2020. Early 2019. And Ben says there's absolute new evidence whatsoever that black Americans feel this way. Think that? then that is not true. So there are two questions to be asked. One, do black Americans think that? And two, is there any justification for them thinking that? First of all, I don't see tons of evidence that every black American, 42 million of them, wake up in deadly fear of being black in the United States every day. Is that the only way he would believe that there are Americans that wake up thinking that? Because, like I just read this study, 63% of black Americans polled, surveyed, believe that. So... I do see a media narrative that promulgates this. I do see prominent people from black and white saying this kind of stuff. But that raises the second question. Is that feeling justified? And the answer is in an obvious no. Obviously, black Americans should not wake up in the United States feeling that they are on the verge of murder. 42 million of them. That That is. Why is he blanketing like as if like they all constantly believe the same thing? Do all white people believe that they're going to be rich someday? Do all white people just think that they're a, 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 what is it? What is that dumb fucking saying? Um, uh, what is it? What is it? Temporarily ashamed millionaire or some shit. That dumb saying that says like, oh, I'll be a millionaire someday. But for right now, I'm just a loser. Do all Americans believe that? Do God damn? Why is he, he? He always does this, and he wants to like be like the Democrats constantly just blanket all black people into the same beliefs, and then what does he do? That is great. I mean, that, that's really that's nuts. Okay, that that is a nuts. That is an unjustifiable feeling. It is an unjustifiable feeling. 
If Jews are the number one targeted group in the United States in terms of hate crimes, say that they wake up every morning in fear that they are going to be victims. Is that true? What, what, what was his framing of it? States in terms of hate crimes say if Jews are the number one targeted group in the United States in terms of hate crimes say that they wake up. Type in away. Hmm. Yep. This is a fact, according to the FBI. Uh, Jews were 2.7 times more likely than blacks, uh, 2.2 times more likely than Muslims to be hate crime victims. And it's because of the whole, like, globalist anti-Jew sentiment that has been really prevalent since early on, just really hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. All right. So that is a fact. Every morning in fear that they are going to be victimized in the United States because the United States is systemically anti-Semitic. That'd be a crazy, crazy thing to say. Because again, even though Jews are the most victimized subgroup in the United States by hate crimes, the United States is an extraordinarily friendly country to Jews. It's an extraordinarily friendly country to Jews. And let's be straight like policy wise because i would say policy wise there's never really been like anti-jewish policy besides like when uh fdr denied taking any jewish refugees besides that there hasn't been too much anti uh jewish policies but you know we do have a stack of papers of uh anti-black policies and then having to fix it with neutral policies that tried to be more egalitarian but really just kind of fought back explicit bias for more implicit right about this if there were an ad cut by the trump campaign saying jews wake up every morning in the united states afraid of the predations of anti-semites and then it had like ilhan omar and rashida talib and all of this then mm -hmm. the media fact checkers would be like okay number one do jews actually feel that way and two would jews be justified in feeling that way, given the fact that Jews have an incredibly high level of education. Ben's like, but then they would be like, Did, do they have the same thoughts that I do? Like, Ben, like, you also just named people who aren't anti-Semitic as anti-Semitic. Like, that's probably where the focus would mostly go. Um, and we just, like, seriously, anti-Israel sentiment, like the actions of the nation of Israel is not anti-Semitic. Holy... Balls. And they are a very wealthy subgroup. And the fact that very few Jews are murdered. Hey, here are the actual stats on murder in the United States. Right? Again, Joe Biden suggested that black Americans wake up knowing they could lose their life in the course of just living their life. Right? This is Joe Biden's contention. As of 2013, according to Reuters, if you're a black person, your chances of being killed by anyone, by anyone. 2013 data right now. Come on. Can you get more obvious with your cherry picking to go all the way back to 2013? Right. This is not just cops. Your chance of being killed by anyone. Again, vast majority of black people who are killed are killed by other black people. The vast majority of white people who are killed are killed by other white people. Intra group murder is the most common cause of murder. Intergroup murder is actually fairly uncommon. If you're a black person, your chance of being killed by anyone as of 2013 
or 62 per million, per million, right? Six per 100,000. Cool. So we have a relatively safe nation. Like we're not at a, what would you say, a civil war? Oh my God. Your chances of being murdered by a white person were five per million. Five per million. Okay, according to the Washington Post database of police shootings, 14 black Americans were shot while unarmed by the police in 2019. 14, which amounts to a rate of three per 10 million. Elijah McClain was not shot. Neither was George Floyd. We're not just talking about shooting murders. Can we compile that with the rest of the excessive force brutality data that we have from that year, Ben? Or are we just going to cherry pick? Three per 10 million. One per 3.333 million. That is the rate of being shot unarmed by the cops. So if you wake up in the, like, is there any person in America who wakes up thinking about their one in 3.4 million chance? 52% of black Americans that were polled in the YouGov study. Yes. They're 1, 1 in 3.3 million chance of dying that day? Yeah. No one thinks that way. No one does. 52% of African Americans polled by YouGov believe that they will be victims of violent crime. 50% of white people believe they will be the victim of a violent crime. 21% believe they will be a victim 21% of white people polled will believe that they will be a victim of police using deadly force on them that's 21 21% are really not that worried about the the acts of violence against them even though uh white people are killed more often than cops so what that tells me is that the information out there is not going very well the the handing out of information there and also what the media highlights so the media is pretty bad. Nobody can contest that. But guess what? Um, because I do this, I guess I'm kind of a part of the media. So I'm not going to say I'm not. But Ben, so are you. <laughs> so maybe think about your responsibility on that. But again, 63% of black Americans worry about being the victim of police using deadly force. 63 worry about deadly force 52 worry about being the victim of a violent crime 50% of white people are worried about being the victim of a violent crime he's saying who who wakes up like this huh somebody tell me who does risk assessment that way but because the media have blown up every racial narrative in the country to extraordinary proportions as if he doesn't do that for a living <laughs> him and his ilk all of them all of them all of them and now i have to spend my day doing it on my show because that's what the right's doing <laughs> that's the real reason so if, if if a lot of black americans feel like they're on the verge of murder in the united states that is solely due to media malfeasance that is not due to any statistical reality at all I now agree. in a normal world what we would do is we would say okay the media malfeasance should stop because right, this is actually really, really damaging stuff. How harmful is it for 42 million? Let, let's assume that what Biden says is true. How harmful is it for 42 million Americans and 13 percent of the entire American population to believe that they live on the verge of being murdered by the other 87 
90% of the population every day. I mean, that was just a fucking preposterous way to characterize the position whatsoever. Like, if there's 14 million Americans worried about people killing them, then we have to think about the policies that we have in this country and the kind of cultural environment that we create. How, right? how damaging is that to children? who believe that they are waking up in a country where they could be murdered for their skin color alone. It's pretty damaging. How damaging is that? Particularly if it's not true. But you just said that we are going to believe it. Like, mm. oh, God, dude. Let's let's say that this is true. And then once I uh, get to the, it, let, then, then let's just say it's not. I'm so fucking confused. But Ben, there are Americans who wake up concerned about these things. And it's not because just of the media, but also because of the world around them. The media does not affect everybody's consciousness alone. This is not happening in a fucking mediocrity of media vacuum. These are people's lives and experiences. But you cannot see it past your little fucking desk, apparently. And now I'm getting mad. And I'm almost on the limps of ad hominem when I know I should be a little bit more professional and calm than that. It's, it's a really damaging thing. And not only is it damaging to black Americans to believe that they are falsely believe that they are living in a country that seeks to persecute them and harm them. It is damaging to the entire body politic. But like... What if it is? And then how is it not worse that a country that doesn't actually go to fix itself from that situation, like that a system that can't correct that course, how does that damage the relationship even further, Ben? But you just... Because either you agree with that, in which case you want to wreck all the systems that have provided American prosperity, security, and freedom. <sighs> Either, either you hate America or you fucking love it. Or you disagree with it, in which case, presumably, you are labeled unempathetic and uncaring. Which is why, I, honestly, so I tweeted out, what is the evidence that black Americans, all 42 million of them, wake up knowing they could be murdered just for being black? What is All 42 million of them. I will only consider this position if all 42 Americans agree. The evidence to justify this proposition. This led Catherine Watson, who's a White House reporter for CBS News, a White House reporter to tweet, maybe white people should sit this one out. She's literally a reporter. Her job is to journalism. That is some epic journalisming right there. Now, as a journalist, wouldn't you want to ask whether a proposition is true if a political candidate for president is making it? Wouldn't you want to ask whether it is true that black Americans fear on a daily basis being murdered for their race or whether that is a justified feeling? I mean, isn't that your actual job? But according to Catherine Watson... Uh, I don't think that is the job of journalism, is it? Journalism is to kind of report the news, not necessarily. Well, huh. I guess journalism could do a bit of fact fact checking work, but I always thought that those were two separate realms. Maybe I'm confused now. Ben confuses me pretty hard. Um, but sitting out of like, um, her telling him to sit down from discussing how black people feel um, seems about right. Um, you're totally welcome to actually go to an organizer or an activist or a community leader, a community organizer, somebody you know within the community who understands the wants and needs of a specific community. 
there's no head of a black community, but there's heads of like communities of cities, towns, you know, like people that organize and try to get policy in their town changed, which then f affects the greater nation and all of that. You know, if you actually spoke to leaders, then maybe you can get a better understanding of that. But you only talk to Candace Owens. I feel like, oh, wow. Is there a Ben Shapiro, Jesse Lee Peterson video? Oh, that would be so cool. You literally should not report on this. You shouldn't fact check anything that Joe Biden says. By the way, there's a you great irony to this. Just you just asked, hey, hey, black people, is this how you feel? Maybe white people should sit this one out. I noticed Joe Biden's kind of white, didn't you? Joe Biden, a little bit white. So she's fine with Joe Biden spouting nonsense. She's fine with Joe Biden promulgating a narrative that is incredibly damaging to the United States and to black Americans. Yeah, but like he actually spoke to like Jacob Blake's family. So that gives him a little bit more validity than you. Ben, you haven't talked to the family who was victimized by the state. Come on, dude. He's in the United States because he's a white person saying the right kinds of things. So it really isn't about the race of the person asking the question. It's really about the question itself. And this is going to lead to an impasse in American politics and an impasse in American life. Facts don't care about your feelings. And it's a fact. <sighs> Facts don't care about your feelings. And he just, like, completely ignores the facts. There's the study, yet again, on the YouTube video channel by uh, today.yougov.com slash topics slash politics slash articles reports from March 15th, 2019, on the poll of black Americans and their relationship with the police. 63% of black Americans worried about police using deadly force on them or a family member. Ooh, he is actually pretty dumb for putting that segment up. But he's not because he's got a base. He's got an echo chamber. So he's not really going to suffer the real consequences of just being wrong. So. All right, I threw up. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. What am I? All right. Moving on to another delicious day of please fuck me up with right wing media. We get to listen to Benny Shapiro ask Candace Owens why white leftists try to silence black conservatives. Yeah, we're just rolling in. This is all on topic. This is all on brand, baby. So let's just keep it a rolling. And uh, I might not be able to like say too much in this just because like, again, I'm not black. Um, I'm brown. And I don't really know how that affects me intersectionality wise. But I feel like I can speak on issues by being American and trying to actually fundamentally understand the issues. Because like I said earlier, Nobody should participate in politics unless they understand the issues. Um, this is me attempting to do so in front of people, as foolish as it may be. So let's get it. So let's talk about some of the solutions that you think should be on the table uh, in the black community, which means actively labeling some of the problems that the black community is experiencing beyond sort of a, a miasmatic systemic racism. Right. I mean, I think the solution is for black Americans to fix the problems within our own community. The solution is for white Americans to get out of the discussion uh, because we have become the authors of our own problems. She said white people need to get out of the discussion. Bro. Is she, like, speaking that directly to Ben? Should Ben just stop covering BLM? That's funny. Should Ben just stop covering all black issues? And stop talking about black crime rates? Is she talking specifically to Ben right now? Because I don't think she is. <laughs> I just think she's kind of rhetorically saying it. Because that's on brand for right-wing propaganda. Like, this is a black-made problem, and the blacks need to take care of it. 
problems. Uh, the culture, you've talked about culture so many times. When I was growing up, my mom and my dad never checked to see if I did my homework. Wait, wait, it was not important for them to make sure that I was doing my homework. Now, I naturally did. I was good at school, so I... What? Wait. You, you're blaming your parents blame black for not checking your homework but you're an exceptional black person because you cared about school oh man that's confusing as fuck so it's almost like there's an intersectionality intersectionality between individual and their culture around them but also like your parents are individuals so they shouldn't have been affected by the culture you know so then it feel i feel like these two thoughts just contradict each other <laughs> that that okay I liked it, uh, but it wasn't necessary because our culture is a bit different. Now, when I went to my best friend's house, who happened to be Japanese, her father terrified me. When we got when we got after school, he's like, Kathy, her name was Kathy, you sit down at this table right now, you do your homework. I mean, he didn't even want, he, he was like astonished that she even brought somebody home because homework was so important. So there's a cultural difference. This is why nobody wants to talk about Asians because they're, they're the ones that are doing the best in this country, right? Um, uh, and uh, they're doing the best financially. Asian, Asian Americans are doing- Why do we need to talk about them if they're doing great? Like, we should be uplifting the suffrage of others, so thus we must be talking about them more often. Oh, the best God. in this country, nobody talks about them, it's because their culture is different. Uh, they value different things. Black values have to shift. Uh, you want to talk about, oh... We talk... Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so dumb. This is so dumb. <laughs> single, single father, a single motherhood rate, why there's no fathers in the homes. Well, it doesn't have, uh, it's not good for us when you have a, a culture and music which glorifies baby mama, right? Baby mama, this, this amazing thing. Uh, Who glorifies baby mama in their raps? Who like, unless they're talking about how much they love their baby mama, which sounds like they're in the relationship together. What, what does that even mean? Is there like a song just out there like praising like uh, uh, single moms? Oh yeah, yeah that Tupac song. Oh yeah, yeah but that was like a love poem to his mom. So what are we, what the fuck are we talking about here? <laughs> uh, we have to get serious about education. We need to get, stop criminalizing black Americans who want to get ahead. For example, I was bullied uh, in middle school uh, by other black people because I Dude, she just said criminalizing black people acting different. And then she's like, I got bullied. <laughs> That's not criminalizing. That's not how, how, how are you saying that like social cues and other people's cultural beliefs and ideals or whatever is like is the same thing as policy to you. That's so weird. That is so weird spoke proper English. Literally, that was my crime. I spoke proper English, so they would say, you're acting white. When you start to assign attributes that are, are considered whiteness, speaking proper English, caring about your schoolwork, these are things that the black, black America makes fun of black Americans for. Yeah, but I mean, I used to get made fun of that from my friends too. Like, if I ever wanted to do my homework or actually do any learning or actually... People do that. Like, that's a thing kids do because we've actually found a way to cultivate in the American culture that reading and learning isn't even that cool. You know, being into sports and video games and having interests and hanging out with friends. Like, we... Amer that's an American culture thing. Like, I've watched so many movies. I literally just watched a movie last night of a jock who would, like, force this nerd to do his homework for him because he didn't want to do it because it wasn't cool because he didn't want to learn. He wanted to go to parties. He wanted to drink. Is that... 
a problem of all white people? Is that a problem of all American culture? Because it's so weird to just say that about black kids, even though we all know, too, that they live in lower income neighborhoods, right? So what does lower income neighborhoods also entail? Lower income schools, which would mean a worsening education compared to white people. So is that a cultural problem? It sounds more like an American cultural problem because it's an issue of the entire country and not necessarily um, in the hands or control of the community that is thrust it into this situation that's wild that is so wild like i my brother used to like call me a nerd for doing my fucking homework come on what what i'm brown like i'm not black i'm not muslim i'm not uh i'm just brown i'm like a a mutt in america and so like you can't even like really equate hispanic culture onto me and say like like i'm all a part of that i don't even fucking speak spanish all right uh because they say well that means that you're not you're you're not black unless you're speaking in colloquialisms uh unless you're listening to to dirty rap if you're listening dirty rap what about trap what about art rap hmm not listening to cardi b you don't know her music um so (laughs) i've seen this Cardi B has the monopoly on black people. If you are not listening to Cardi B, you are not black. Words from Candace. Growing up, this has happened to me. We have a culture problem in black America. I think the best way to fix it is for everybody to stop debating about it, so everyone stop the hand-holding, and let black Americans get to work. Well, it is amazing how many... Stop debating about it and just pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Um, I think in order to actually rectify and give proper reparations in this country, we're going to have to enact uh, pro-black policies that people um, that like mainly in the conservative white are going to see as racist because it's going to be so pro-black. But unfortunately, that's the way we have to go because the policies throughout America in this history of time has been entirely pro-white. So you got to balance out the scales many white Americans seem to want to take control of this particular debate. Uh, the entire anti-racist contingent led by Robin D'Angelo and her white fragility crew, uh, they, they've attempted to regain control of, of racial issues in America, essentially by suggesting that black Americans cannot be expected to fix the system, that white Americans are the only ones who can fix the system since white Americans created the broken system. In the first place, this call has been taken up by a wide variety of political figures who call for things like slavery reparations from the American government. Uh, it, was, it was taken up by the National African American Museum of History and Culture, who literally suggested in full-on white supremacist fashion that things like punctuality and, and delayed gratification were white attributes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you say to white people who insist that you know, th- they are so woke that they know better than somebody like Candace Owens what the black community needs? I say you're racist. I find that to be a fundamentally racist concept. I mean, and I've had that attack. If I... Oh, man. The right just loves it when she calls anybody racist. And I, I find it, I love it because she, I remember her saying that America isn't racist. And her, by when, when she says that, she's like, it's not racist by what the left means, but I am allowed to call out racism when I see it. <laughs> and obviously her, uh, when she sees racism is pretty different than when anybody else does to be honest with you i I find that fascinating um man what a long-winded what a long-winded question white people 
but like also too like you know she's been so ostracized by the black community that i don't know if she can be seen to represent the black community because she is such an outlier and she even admits it too so it's just uh yeah i, I don't know People that come to me and say, you don't understand, you don't understand. I don't understand what it's like to be black in America. I've done it my entire life. I've never taken one day off on being black, never, not even an hour off. I've done it my entire life. Um, and, and yet they, they, have the, they feel they have the authority. That white guilt has given them the authority to help me understand what it's like to be black, which is basically saying that unless I view myself as less than them, I can't be black. Imagine that. I'm saying to them, I view myself as your equal. And that bothers them. That really, that really bothers them. This idea that black Americans are suffering because of the color of their skin. I mean, imagine. What? She, she tells people that she's equal to them and it bothers them and they're on the, who? Who is she saying that to? I didn't, that was so unclear. Like, yes, Candace, you are equal to everybody, but your opinion of the black community is not equal to James Baldwin's or Mike Martin Luther King's um, just mainly because they actually had massive support from their communities. You, you, you unfortunately do not. You have a minority support from your communities. <sighs> yep. In a world where people think Malia and Sasha Obama are suffering. Right? That's, that's what they're suggesting because the color of their skin, but Malia and Sasha Obama should be given handouts in life that they're suffering <laughs> and they're all these horrible... Man, he, she is, like, doing that perfectly to just, like, perfectly upset the right because, like, I'm going to pick two privileged African-Americans and highlight that how ridiculous it is to blanket statement say that they are suffering because they are black. I'm going to pick two privileged ones. <laughs> that's not who we're talking about, Candace. You know it. You know it. You know it damn well. That's you know damn well. That's not who anybody is talking about when we're talking about lifting the suffrage of these communities. And it, it has to deal with poverty, uh, all the policies that have been enacted that, you know, it's I, I, I sound like a broken record here, but it's just so marveling to me that they just can they're allowed to just spew this without ever being challenged on their shows like there's no it's just a constant echo chamber of the same thing that like the same rhetoric around the same issues that just keeps getting reverberated 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 and it never ends of anything new to lead to a brand new policy only to conserve and hold on and it's just whew things that they're going through because of the color of their skin. No, that's not true. It, are there privileges that you can be afforded uh, 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 if you're rich? Yeah, that's not because of the color of your skin. It's called economic privilege. And we should all aspire to have economic privilege, right? At least she acknowledges that money can buy you a bit of privilege. I'm, I, I, that's why I like free markets. That's why I like capitalism. We sh should all aspire to work harder. It becomes impossible uh, when we have this white guilt. There's people who work like 40 to 60 hours a week who will never be close to comfortable or allow or be allowed to enjoy that comfy privilege that she's discussing now. And nobody should have to work that much to get over it. You shouldn't have to have a specific kind of job to be able to have a comfortable life. Like, come on, come on. Built permeating throughout every aspect of American culture. And, and that is what I just, I absolutely hate it. I, I, I want nothing to do with it. We have to start changing it. We have to start changing the conversation. It starts with white Americans getting out of the conversation. So <laughs> getting white Americans out of the conversation, what are the discussions of race like within the black community in terms of are, are there gradations and, and places of origin? So the media have decided, for example. <laughs> He's like asking her. So what's funny, too, is I'm dying because we just got 
through with the video with Ben talking about how a reporter told him to sit that one out, and then he's like, how dare you? And then Candace proceeds to tell him to sit it out. But then he's like, all right, ambassador to all black people, what's it like to be black in America? Example, that black ought to be capitalized and the term white ought not be capitalized because the term black refers to people of a common ethnicity and origin, despite the fact that people from Jamaica are not the same as people from Kenya who are not the same as people from South Africa or Zimbabwe or from the United States. Uh, this is all one unified group of people. White people, however, are merely defined in opposition to black Americans. You see some of this in, in the treatment of, of Kamala Harris because there have been people like Thomas Chatterton Williams who have pointed out she's not actually an American descendant of slaves, right? She's not a descendant of American slaves, that she is half Jamaican and she's half Indian. And that if you're gonna look at the demographics of Indian Americans, Indian Americans are actually the single richest subgroup in America mm -hmm. right now. And so it's difficult to make the case that Indian Americans are, are subject to vicious, brute racism. Oh, what are the discussions? He just admitted it. He just admitted it. What did he say? He said Indian Americans are some of the wealthiest, right? Or Indian migrants as well. But Indian citizens are among the wealthiest. So that is proof that they have not faced as much oppression as some others. So if income or earnings or wealth can be a measure of oppression... Can we then say that because black people earn the least amount of money in the United States, they are then the most oppressed and within suffrage? No, because that's victimizing. It's as if the state's not allowed to create victims. That they're, that the, the system doesn't victimize anybody, and yet... I mean, we can see it in many policies, and I can't get into it because I would just be s screaming into the void about, you know, redlining, intergenerational wealth and slavery, the, the, the whole just crushing of their citizenry between 1865 and 1964, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Of, of race, like, within the black community, or is it sort of irrelevant within the black community itself? I mean, it's incredibly immature, you know, like, and, honestly, I, and, I, and it's going to be crazy, too, because they could like Israel could end up doing the same exact thing to Palestine is that eventually after they fully take over and then have like ghettos of uh, Palestinians inside the borders of Israel, if that's where it goes, then like they're going to be like, why don't these Palestinians ever pull themselves up by the bootstraps? And it's like, dude, hundreds of years, at least a 100 years now of just total destruction of their infrastructure if they had any beforehand so come on i will say that over and over again it's incredibly immature and and because they just have become so comfortable with being a victim because society has allowed it uh, you've becoming the victim mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. she said something else that was interesting to me hold on community itself. I mean, it's incredibly immature, you know, and mm, I... Immature. Now, I'm, I might be a bit hyperbolic here, but that seems to be a way to me to kind of say primitive. That they're not really up to the conscious level of realizing their situation because their cultural and their community is immature. <sighs> nice.
And, and I will say that over and over again. It's incredibly immature and, and because they just have become so comfortable with being a victim. Because it's Comfortable with being a victim. It's not that they have been actually victimized for hundreds of years. They've just been they've just become comfortable in the position of being a victim. Not because they've been victimized for hundreds of years. Society has allowed it. Uh, you've allowed the toddler to throw the tantrum so many times that this is the way that they think is the method to get what they want. It's easy. Being a victim is remarkably easy, right? That's the easy. If you go through the history of the early 1900s through uh, the Red Summer of the late 60s, you would get a lot of race riots that are uh, usually white people destroying black communities. So, ignoring some more history, um, you know, there were riots in the 60s, but that came because of police brutality. Um, even Ben Shapiro has said that most of our behavior is predictable, so knowing full well by pulling up with riot gear and rubber bullets, that would probably lead to further riots and chaos. The state did it anyways. Because they knew what happened in the 1960s when they used water hoses and police dogs. So we're, we're ignoring more historical materialism conditioning here. So that's good. That's healthy. Well-informed. Mucho intelligent. Path in life. Life is hard. You know, uh, being responsible for yourself, waking up every day, going to work, uh, uh, taking responsibility when you do something wrong. That's the harder path. Saying you're a victim and when you fail, it's because of white people, the white boogeyman. That's that's very easy. And uh, so amongst. I don't know why you can't do both. Like I work very hard and I'm constantly saying white privilege is just crushing the fuck out of us. And just because she's allowed to make m uh, class privilege by making money uh, and betraying her cast of people um it's it's upsetting uh i'm 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 pretty angry and hardworking. black americans it's very hostile uh when a black american like me ordains a thing for themselves and says i don't accept this narrative it's very hostile it's angry but it needs to happen you know i i did a speech at uh not howard university another another one of the hbcus and when I tell you, I stood up there for three hours and just took it. Boo, yelling, I mean, just completely crazy. It would never happen in an auditorium full of white people because they'll, they'll be a, a, a tiny bit more respectful than they were being that day. Nice. But nice. Slide in a, in a bit of racism there by saying that white people would be more respectful than black people. Nice. After the three hours of them just brutalizing me, um, at the end of it, they all kind of came up and said, you know, I want to take a picture with you, and I respect you for standing your ground. Let that happen. Let that dialogue happen uh, amongst black Americans. Let them actually hear a black conservative perspective. It's hard to hear a black conservative perspective when black conservatives are routinely... It's fascinating that she's like, we really need to listen to the black conservative, conservative perspective. And then Ben Shapiro has videos like, you should never befriend a leftist. Uh, the only time you should uh, talk to a leftist is to debate them and humiliate them. Or and the only time you should debate a leftist is to humiliate them and win or some shit like that. Like, come on. This is uh, this is nonsensical. Drowned out by white voices, ironically, right? Ironically, by these white voices poo-pooing and saying how hard it is for us to be black. But it's not hard for us to be black. It's hard for us to be successful when you keep telling us it's hard for us to be black. So <laughs> you are one... <laughs> It's not due to any policy or systemic racism or implicit racism or racist politicians throughout the past. Or racist, it's not due to racism whatsoever. It's just due to white people constantly saying black people are victims. 
It's not of any actual material conditions. Cool, Candace. You understand stuff. The founders of, of Blexit, which was an attempt to get more black Americans to exit the Democratic Party. Uh, and, you know, there, there's been similar attempts to get Jews to exit the Democratic Party, of which is wild on success, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so what are the metrics? That and it's because, like, anybody who actually... <laughs> Yeah, they want people to, like, move away from the BDS movement from Israel. And the Democrats, I'm sure, also want the uh, the progressives to move away from BDS and other leftists to move away from BDS. But it's kind of fucked when Israel just won't stop, I don't know, abusing human rights. <laughs> that you're seeing in the black community, are you seeing a change in thinking inside the black community in terms of voting, uh, in terms of how people think about politics, do you see any difference generationally in how people think about the various parties? Yes, I mean, I think for the first time there has been a lot of chatter and a lot of debate in black America about politics in general. Um, and I think it's because of people like me, like Larry Elder, who have sort of laid out on the line um, and just said, this is what I believe, and I'm not editing that. You know, in terms of Blexit, we're in 20 states now. Uh, you know, we have chapter leaders and ambassadors all across the state that are in the community actually having these discussions and knocking on doors. Um, and I think you know, at the height of this sort of racial unrest, there also is racial conversation. And I will tell you, when I got started, I had no black fans. <laughs> it was you're an Uncle Tom, you're a coon, uh, you're a house Negro, and that has completely transformed. And I, I, I am, you know, inundated with emails of people thanking me. And the number one thing that they say, which I find to be incredible, is thank you for giving me my life back. Right. And that, that's an incredible statement because I, I, I feel that and that's how I felt when I opened my eyes after I finished the first Thomas soul book. I wanted to mm -hmm. just look at him and say, thank you for giving me my life back. Like now it's OK. I can go out um, and, and, and I can be great. I don't see myself as less than victimhood is a weight. It's, you're walking around with the weight on your back and, and you don't realize you've been, you've been carrying that weight until you let it go. And now I feel that I can sprint in my life and I can go and I can achieve things. I know I can because I know that I'm not being oppressed because of the color of my skin. You know, that's what Blexit offers for, for, for our members all across the nation. Uh, and, and, and the reason why we did it was to create an actual community. Because I think when you're a black conservative, you can think you're alone. And we wanted them to just see you're actually not alone. There are tons of us popping up all across the state, uh, all, all across America. And I, I do credit Donald Trump uh, with, with a lot of that because he just had the courage and the audacity to say it and, and not apologize. Hmm. Did you know that every... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that uh, the Democrats have failed by pandering to surface level identity politics. Um, they've always needed to do much more, but that's what you get with neoliberalism. You get the moderate to get enough votes from the Republicans, but not too much crazy change to <laughs> begin the secession of states in the second civil war. But it seems like now the right is becoming so... Uh, stonewallish that they are the new uh, sparkers of civil unrest and war so we'll see we'll see candace owens definitely uniting people with her rhetoric um that's just undeniable i don't think i denied a single point that she had brought up um wow wow um yeah so much just historical she just doesn't understand it. She just doesn't look back at the past and understand that all the suffrage that they had gotten through hundreds of years comes from white policy and white supremacy. But, you know, if she doesn't want to recognize that and would rather profit off of white supremacy paying for her turncoatism, that's up to her. You know, you make money however you want, I guess. This is America.
Um, I guess I'm gonna close out with this. I found Charlie Kirk uploaded a video that seems to be from the good old days. I don't know what it's uh, really gonna say. I haven't watched it yet. It's two minutes and 16 seconds. I want to close out on this. It says, know your enemy to debate them. Point, do you think, um, could persuasion become manipulation? Um, one of my friends wanted me to ask this. Yeah, I mean, look, I think what the left is doing is definitely manipulation. Um, if you're a conservative out there, go out of your way to read something different every single day. Read the other side. Not only will it strengthen your ideological position, but you'll also understand more your own perspective, and then you might learn something and you might have your views reconsidered. But I find so often that the left doesn't even want to hear the other side, that they'll go immediately towards character assassination. Hmm. That's fascinating. Charlie here says that, like, uh, should go listen to other people's opinions. Fascinating. They'll go immediately towards attacking you. Any conservatives experience being called names by a leftist recently? Hmm. Anybody experienced uh, being called names recently? Uh, don't you don't you hate it when you're attacked ad hominem? Oh no 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 not Twitch! Come on, man. Boom boom boom. Boom boom boom. Don't you hate it when you're called names by the left? The left. That dang darn to left. All right. Don't you hate it when you're called names? Charlie Kirk says Joe Biden is a terrorist appeaser. Uh, I don't see him calling anybody names. That's good. Good on you. He doesn't use his Twitter account to call anybody names. <laughs> That's good. Good for you, Charlie. Yeah, racist, bigoted, homophobic, xenophobic, right? Right. I love the black conservatives that are called racists, by the way. That's my favorite. They, right? And by the way, they say you don't exist. The media says black conservatives don't exist, which I have to say this plug for our wonderful, you know, black Americans in the audience. We have a black leadership summit coming up in a week and a half. You're going good in the White House coming up. The media, you better cover it. You can't ignore 400 black Americans coming to Washington, D.C. So, but 400? to answer your question, <laughs> If, if you can debate both sides, if you can watch MSNBC as a conservative or watch Fox News as a liberal and still have the same positions you have, then you're under the position, you, you, you've successfully come to your own positions. I find that leftists, more time than not, and there's a difference between liberals and leftists, there's very nice. few liberals anymore.
That's fascinating that, like, nobody admits that anymore, is that they always kind of conflate the idea that the left and the Democrats are exactly the same. I, I, wow, that's, wow. <laughs> this is obviously an old video, but he just uploaded it. Alan Dershowitz is a liberal, okay? There's very few liberals. There's a lot of leftists. A leftist believes that someone like Charlie Kirk should not be allowed on campus. A liberal like Alan Dershowitz will fight like hell to allow me on campus, even though he disagrees with everything I say. A leftist yeah, but like Obama said, you guys are mostly fighting between the 40-yard lines. Um, if leftists are coming out, it's because they see you as fascist. That sounds like an anti-fascist movement coming out to shut down a fascist. So, Believes in black-only dormitories. A leftist believes America what? was never great. What? A leftist believes well, capitalism. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're one of the greatest nations on earth. It's just like, we're not fucking perfect, Charlie, and there's a lot more we have to reconcile with, and that's pretty obvious right now. Capitalism is a mistake. There's a difference between a leftist and a liberal, and the leftists have taken over the Democrat Party. John F. Kennedy was a classical liberal. Those people don't exist anymore in the Democrat Party. They that's hilarious. I've just, I've just been coming familiar with the term classical liberal. Um, you mean conservative? <laughs> um, yeah, classical liberal is just like that kind of label to come off in running in the Democratic Party, but really having conservative beliefs. I think um, his name is Robert Anton, I believe, said the only difference or a conservative is just a liberal or something like a conservative a liberal can become a conservative without changing any of their beliefs so i think that's funny something like that been taken over by marxists and by leftists so <laughs> the democratic party has been taken over by marxists and leftists no no sir neoliberalism has taken it over and what's um fantastic for charlie kirk is that neoliberalism hurts the working income uh, the working class, right? So then if he equates it to Marxism, the working class on the conservative side that believe Charlie Kirk are then going to blame Marxism rather than uh, neoliberalism, which is just is a inter inter interchangeable as neoconservatism. Uh, but what's fascinating here is to not look at the economy through a Marxist lens, which if you look at it through the, I would say the, uh, what, what's his fucking name? Adam Smith, if you look at through Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, it's very pro what he called masters of capital or masters of the universe or some shit, dumb shit like that. But the capitalists are, it's viewed through the lens of a capitalist in the Wealth of Nations, and we have a working class view with Marxism. That's I think that's the fundamental differences between the two. And by um, demonizing the working class analytics of economics, especially within capitalism, um, that is poisoning the well for the working class and saying, hey, this thing that can help you will actually harm you. So um, very, very smart, clever and slithery, I would say. There's huge distinction there. So, um, yeah, that's that's essentially the right for you. Um, that is me going and debunking and fighting the right. Um, it's exhausting. I feel toxic as shit. So I'm probably going to have to shoot some demons in doom to kind of exercise my demons. But uh, yeah, um, from what I've learned is that we have citizens in the streets not being fully informed, yelling at each other. We have <clears throat> um, Ben Shapiro speaking about what he really shouldn't be speaking about and also doing it without all the information that he could be giving to his viewers. 
And then we have Candace Owens telling Ben Shapiro that he shouldn't be speaking about what he's speaking about, but really is just talking about leftists, because the point here is to always build the anti-left ideology, and Charlie Kirk really pounded that in. Um, Anti-left is just the right thing to do. Whew! Thank you for joining me. Please drink more water. Drink all water. Um, We are only going to have it free for a limited amount of time. Uh, Nestle's really working on privatizing this this uh, commodity, I guess. So drink plenty of water. Try to fit some coffee in between because it kind of keeps the gears rolling against, you know, keeps the fight against the machine going. And uh, I hope you join me for my next broadcast. Uh, I've been enjoying this a lot, and I love you very much. If you never hear that, I want to say it again. I love you very much, and I hope you have a wonderful revolutionary day, week, or until I see you or speak to you again, please, uh, stay, uh, radical. I don't know. How how, how do you end these things? Um, what is it? What, what is my job actually? I, uh, um, uh, I've been your host at Talks News where we are unfair, unbalanced, completely biased and utterly toxic. We know, we know, we know, we know. We just really, we just don't care. Thank you.